Guys, this is going to be an awesome episode with my buddy Steve Chappell of Elk Camp TV. Before we get to that, I want to thank you guys for listening. I also want to let you know I'm doing these uh, elk reports literally in the middle of nowhere. The Otfix Ranch has very little cell phone service. So, you know, over this month, you're going to have to bear with me a little bit with my um, quality of audio. I'm doing everything uh, mobily, and I'm here in my truck with my computer. And uh, so I'm just doing the best I can. I really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, I want to thank the sponsors. I want to thank uh, GoHunt.com Gear Shop. My friend Cody Nelson of 20-plus years is the optics manager. If you guys have any binoculars, spotting scopes, rifle scopes, glassing uh, questions, if you're looking for tripods, anything to do with glassing, optics, uh, give Cody a call at 702-847-8747. That's extension 2. I want to thank them for their sponsorship. Make sure to tell Cody that I sent you. He's going to take care of you, give you some great deals on optics. Uh, also, Kuyu Ultralight Hunting. That's K-U-I-U.com. If you're looking uh, how to find out more information about Kuyu, that is the ultralight hunting gear that I wear on all my hunts. Go to kuyu.com, K-U-I-U.com, to find out more and to order merchandise right there. I also want to thank PhoneScope. Use the JScott19 promo code at phonescope.com. That's PhoneScope with a K, and that's going to save you 10%. That is the digiscoping phone adapter that I use on my iPhone X. Uh, They basically make adapters that will adapt any phone to any optic, and you can take videos and photos. I appreciate PhoneScope sponsorship as well as onxmaps.com. Uh, use the JScott19 promo code when ordering the Onyx Maps uh, at a phone app, and you're going to save 20%. So JScott19, go to onxmaps.com. It is the best uh, thing that you could possibly use in the field. Uh, it replaces the GPS. Uh, It marks your location. It tracks your location. You can switch from public land to private land overlays. You can switch just by hitting a button from topo to aerial uh, to the hybrid mode. You can use the tracking breadcrumb feature to track yourself in and out. You can also import and export from Google Earth. It's just an awesome tool. Uh, Use the JScott19 promo code at onxmaps.com and save yourself 20%. Guys, let's get right to this episode with Steve Chappell. Welcome to the J. Scott Outdoors podcast. Today we're going to have some fun with my friend Steve Chappell. Uh, Steve is uh, my buddy. I used to guide with him, used to own an outfitting business. We shared it together, uh, Chapel and Scott Guide Service. Steve has his own TV show, Elk Camp TV. Uh, Steve has his own line of elk calls, uh, which are phenomenal. And he's a fantastic elk guide and the best elk caller I know. Steve, how are you doing? I'm doing really good, Jay. It's the time of year that we all live for, and uh, yeah, things are things are awesome at Elk Camp this year. That's great. Uh, I've been enjoying watching Elk Camp TV. Uh, I tape it every week, and uh, look forward to seeing all the filming that you're doing for uh, next year's episodes, I guess, that will air. Uh, Steve, let's just dive right into it. Uh, you're in Arizona Unit 9, one of your favorite units uh, in the state. Um, tell us a little bit. We had great winter moisture, uh, but tell us about when you arrived in the unit uh, there at the beginning of September to finish up uh, your summer scouting. Uh, what were the conditions like uh, when you arrived there in Unit 9? Yeah, Jay, um, actually surprisingly very dry, so it was a kind of a complete opposite from last year. 
where we had a real dry winter and spring, and so the antler growth suffered. Um, but then we had a real wet monsoon in fall, so there was a big green up, you know, for the for the hunts last year. But this year uh, we had the great winter moisture and great spring moisture, so we do have really good bulls in the unit. I mean, I have seen some nice bulls in, in the first six days of the hunt. Um, but yeah, the the range conditions and the and the water situation is very dry. It's pretty much just basically trick tanks with water at this point. Um, so. All of the dirt tanks in Unit 9 that we're so used to hunting and, you know, there's a ton of dirt tanks, would you say 90% of them are dry, Steve? I'd say easily, if not more. Yeah, some of them that are really solid, you know, that you, you can count on having water, even some of those don't. Um, so, yeah, the cedar country, which I love to hunt, um, and I've, you know, had a lot of success calling in over the years. Um, it's just pretty, pretty much a blank out as far as water. So with those dirt tanks being dry, you're subject to trick tanks. Uh, so that makes it a little bit difficult if everybody's kind of jammed around the trick tanks. Yeah, definitely can be. Surprisingly, I've had less, uh, you know, in interactions and encounters with other hunters this year than I ever have. And I'm kind of shocked about that because you would figure that everybody would be kind of concentrated. Um, but for whatever reason, I've, I've been pretty lucky as far as avoiding, uh, you know, having contact with other hunters. So what about as far as bugling activity, Steve? Um, you know, compared to last year, compared to other years you've been in Unit 9, obviously you started out with the full moon. I believe the opening day was uh, Friday the 13th, which was also the full moon. <laughs> Talk a little bit about the moon and talk about the bugling activity. Yeah, Jay, so far the overall the bugling activity has been very slow. Um, they're definitely not rutting hard yet. It kind of feels like there's not cows coming into estrus yet um, because I definitely have not had that scenario where you've got a beehive going on or you're listening in the dark and there's three or four bulls bugling. Um, it's just been pretty much... For the most part, the first hour to hour and a half, if you're lucky. Um, of, of the six days so far, um, I, I feel really fortunate up to this point. We have had very solid encounters with five herd bulls up to, up to this point in the hunt. Um, but it's basically just been the herd bulls that we've encountered. You don't have you know, cows in heat and satellite bulls screaming and, and the ability to go call in a bunch of bulls. Um, but we've had... Let's see, we've had three herd bulls inside of 30 yards, one at 70 yards, and this morning one at 80 yards that we just about had commit but just didn't quite get him. So As far been, as the reactions to your call, Steve, um, being the best elk caller that I know and have, have heard, um, what are you having the most success with and what calls are not working right now? Yeah, Jay, it kind of goes back to what we've been talking about the last couple of times. Um, I, I, and this flies in the face of, of, of kind of my history of calling. I've really been having success bugling at these herd bulls. You know, I'm not talking being three or 400 yards away from them. I'm talking, you know, getting up there in, in their face, in their zone, uh, you know, most of the time being 100, 120 yards away from them. Um, you know, and having them there with their cows, you, you know, and blowing that lip ball bugle or, you know, Joel Turner referred to it as the bull calling cows bugle. 
um, but but basically it's it's a lip ball bugle and and blowing it like you mean it, blowing it in his face with with some angst, and uh, yeah, Jay, I'm telling you, they they have just come in with purpose. It's it, it's pretty so, amazing. Steve, I I hear you say that, and I cringe somewhat because I just picture everybody out in the elk woods yeah. just hammering on their elk call. How right. much of it, though, your success and Joel's success with that call, how much do you think it is because you blow it very, very well? And if guys are out there hearing what you're saying, I mean, that aren't as experienced as yourself, do you still think they can get the results? Um, I, I do believe, Jay, that it is a lot about how it sounds, the volume and emotion level in it. I think that's what you get the reaction from and the fact that you don't bugle your way into a herd bull because you're going you're gonna to push him away if you do that. So it's very hard to hold back as far as calling goes and work your way in there feeling like you could, you know, blow the herd up at any point getting close in there like that. You know, it takes a lot of, a, a lot of um, willpower not to blow calls but then when you get in there and you, and you know the time is right, and on, on most of these bulls I've gotten a visual on them before I've blown the call. So I know where they're at in relationship to their cows, all of that, and I know we're in a good position. And, and I tell you what, it happens fast when you do it and you blow it with that right tone and that right emotion and right sound. Um, there, there's no hesitation in them. They, they scream and come right in. Um, so in so, other words, yeah. you're getting into that zone and you're – giving them the fight or flight like you you haven't made a peep you press them you get into that comfort zone inside of 100 yards and you make them choose and if they're a herd bull you're basically saying okay buddy i've slipped in here and i'm going to take your cows and you're saying you're having good success of those bulls coming over to you with an aggressive style yes jay absolutely of the five herd bulls only the one this morning didn't totally commit and leave his cows and come over to, to kill me, in effect. Um, this one, he kind of stayed close to his cows. At one point, he looked like he was going to come right over, but he stayed out at 80 yards, and we, it was a little too open. We just couldn't get tight enough. I wanted to get a little bit tighter, but we just couldn't do it. Um, but, man, the other ones have just left the cows and come in, come in with purpose. Um, and in you most know, of these situations, have you made any cow call sounds at all, or is it just slipping in and literally ripping it at them? Uh, you know what? On two of them, I've mixed in some cow calling. Um, but on the other three, I uh, didn't have to cow call at all. It, it, was, it was the bugle. How, you know, <laughs> spending as much time as I have around you and as sweet a cow caller as you are, does it go against everything in your being, or have you b- built enough confidence now that you know you just get in there tight and rip their head off? Um, you know, years ago, I would say that you would probably be a little more reluctant because you're thinking, okay, now I've closed the distance. I'm 100 yards. I'm going to sweet talk them. It sounds like you've kind of changed a little bit where you just get in there. You have confidence. You know your sound is great. You just get in there and blow their hat off. Yeah, that's exactly it, Jay, because I still do, you know, in my mind, I'm still thinking, you know, cow call, cow call, cow call as I'm moving in. But, you know, a lot of times when you're out here with these elk and you've been around them a lot, you can just tell by the frequency of that bull's bugling and how he sounds, whether he has cows or not. Um, and, and so all of these bulls, I've really 
um, you know, just gotten the real gut feeling that I'm dealing with a herd bull. Um, you know, otherwise, if, if, if I felt like it was a bull that was by himself, I absolutely would, uh, would be cow calling to him. So, yeah, it does really fly in the face of, of me kind of being a lover when it comes to calling. And, you know, I think as this hunt progresses and it, it, it heats up a little bit and, and, and all the bulls start bugling more, and if I'm dealing with some satellite bulls, I think I will definitely be doing more cow calling uh, moving forward into this hunt. But, yeah, I'm definitely not afraid nowadays when I'm dealing with a bull with cows um, <laughs> to just get in there and be aggressive with him. That's good stuff. Steve, what are you seeing out there as far as, you know, with the trick tanks being the only basic water sources? Are guys stacked up, uh, getting there early, sitting all day? Um, what are you witnessing? You know, even if you're not, what are you seeing as far as guys sitting on water on nine, in nine? Yeah, I, I've only seen uh, one hunter at a trick tank uh, in the morning. I think the rest, you know, there may be more guys that are doing that. Um, I'm just not going by, exactly by those trick tanks in the mornings. Um, but I think for the most part it's it's limited to the afternoon and evenings. Um, I am seeing blinds at quite a few of them, um, which, you know, that's totally fine. Um, I think as the hunt goes on and this moon phase goes goes to darker, that there'll be the opportunity for, you know, bulls as they get heated up and rutting harder to start visiting those tanks maybe during shooting light. So, you know, for a lot of guys, that's a pretty good strategy, especially because our evening hunts have pretty much just been a total blank out. I mean, we're lucky to get anything. I called in a five-point last night, now that I think about it. By, by so, Cal, it was a long ways away, Jay. I mean, a long, probably three-quarters of a mile away, and it was during the last 20 minutes of light. And so I just started blowing that kind of loud, excited cow call, and uh, that brought him in from a long ways. Steve, for those guys listening that are also struggling on, you know, the evening, and we've seen it so many times where literally they just start bugling maybe with 10, 15 minutes of light, sometimes right at dark. What kind of strategy do you go in with an afternoon hunt um, with that mindset that, you know, likely you're not going to hear anything till right at the last. Yeah, Jay, I, what I kind of try to uh, think about in my mind is, okay, if I'm going to hunt this area and this is the water source that's in this area, what direction was the wind blowing that morning? You know, if the wind was coming out of the east or the north or whatever it happened to be doing, I'm going to assume that those elk pushed into the wind away from that water in the morning to their bedding area. So what, you know, the best guess that I can make going out in the afternoon then is to position myself somewhere in between the direction they went to bed and that water source. And obviously, keeping the wind direction in mind, we're mostly having south-southwest winds right now. Um, you know, so you obviously got to play that and watch out for that. But that's kind of my strategy in the evenings. I used to, in the past, kind of go out and, and troll around and try to call in the evenings, but it always seemed like, you know, you drive around for two or three hours with nothing, and then you get that bugle during the last five or ten minutes of light, and you think, oh, this is the great spot I should have been in two hours ago. <laughs> That's not the case at all. It's just the fact that the timing was right. Steve, you so, know, we've talked a lot about um, – we like consistency, elk-like consistency. Um, it seems like when you're having weather in and out and, and storms and, and what have you, it can seem to shut them down. Uh, looks like the forecast seems 
uh, fairly consistent for the next 10 days uh, up here for sure in Colorado. I'm curious what your thoughts are on if you had your choice, do you want it to stay consistent and basically the same weather day after day, or would you like some showers to come in? Yeah, Jay, at this point, I would just like it to be consistent. And I always say that, you know, that upper 30s to mid 40s in the morning is just perfect Arizona bugling weather. Um, I actually think the fact that we had strong winds yesterday and then we had about a 15-degree cool-off this morning from what it's been um, threw them off a little bit. It seems to me more and more that these elk almost look for a reason not to bugle <laughs> versus, you know, yeah. the other way around. You know, they're, they're, I always say they're not like men. They're, they're not looking for a reason, you know, for action. They're looking for a reason to be quiet, it seems like, more and more so. Yeah, good stuff. Um, with, with a week to go, how do you anticipate the elk and the behavior, you know, changing from the way it's been for the first six days? Yeah, no doubt, like I said earlier, I really don't get the impression that there's cows in heat, even though all of these big bulls we've been encountering are with cows. They're just not, you know, really trailing cows and really aggressively bugling. You don't have satellite bulls, you know, wadding up in the herd and, try, you know, trying to push and, and get cows. So I think the best is yet to come for sure, uh, you know, with the moon uh, going to dark. Uh, you know, and obviously some cows are going to come into heat, no doubt. I, I'm, I'm just telling everyone, you know, just stay positive. Um, you know, you're really hunting that one elk that, that's, that's going to want to play the game and going to bugle, and, and, you know, and it will happen for you if uh, you keep your chin up and, you know, and just, and just keep hunting. Uh, you know, the season's 14 days long, and we're not even halfway through it yet. And, and, and I, th I always say, the best hunting is from the 18th and beyond to the end of the month, and I'm excited that that's where we're getting right now. Are you seeing any broken points yet at all? And and if not, is that a good thing in your mind? Um, I've just seen one bull, about a 320 bull, a young bull that had a broken sword about halfway up. Um, but other than that, no, no broken points at all. These herd bulls are are totally clean at this point. Do you think that could play right into the hands of the guys that have the muzzleloader and early rifle tags coming up after the archery season in Arizona? No doubt. Yeah, I think they are sitting in a great position with what I've seen up to this point. Yeah, I think you give this, you know, another 8 to 10 days, and it's just going to be wild. So I think those guys ought to be lip, lick, licking their chops right now in anticipation of what's going to happen. Fantastic, Steve. Well, I want to wish you the best of success coming up here over the next week uh, with your hunters across the state and your hunters there in Unit 9. Uh, and thanks for coming on, spend a little time with us midday. Uh, go, go catch some lunch and a little nap and uh, get back after them this afternoon. Uh, I, do, uh, I, I don't know if you saw we did kill that bull creed. Um, and uh, yes. he, he had gone downhill a little bit. He's not quite as big as he was last year, but uh, we think he's a really old bull, and um, he scored really well, uh, and uh, it, was, it was kind of fun. It's kind of bittersweet, as, as you know, um, yeah. you know, with you and your dad's ranch in Colorado and, you know, getting kind of emotionally attached to some of these animals. Um, he was a special one, right. and we're happy to harvest them, but it's also bittersweet, and, 
kind of looking around the ranch, just um, a little bit depressed just because he's not around. But uh, <laughs> it was fun. Yeah, and uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I just I look forward to um, your success there and your hunters and your guides across the state. So uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for sharing those tips with us. And um, we'll catch up with you after the season. So if I don't talk to you, God bless and uh, stay after him. God bless, Jay. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the end of this hunt, and I, I'll probably do, be doing a little more cow calling, so don't want to sway everybody to bugle at everything out there. But <laughs> You're going to go know. out tonight. All you'll hear is people just blowing their hats off, just bugling their guts <laughs> out. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Be selective. Be selective, guys, on when you bugle, definitely.